Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. This comes on the heels of the parable of the sower where Jesus was talking to us about the importance of hearing the word of God rightly. And Jesus wants to say, say more about that because this is, this is one of the fundamentals of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to learn from Jesus, we must listen to Jesus. Uh, we must hear what he says and, and put it into practice. And so Jesus has more to say today about taking care how we hear the word of God. Before we do hear his word this morning, let's look to him once again in prayer and ask for his blessing. Heavenly Father, as you speak to us from your word today, we, we do want our hearts to be receptive to your word. We, we would take care how we hear today, first of all, by coming to you as beggars and asking for your help. We know that we cannot receive and and understand and put into practice what you would say to us without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come and open our eyes and our hearts today to see and to receive and to do all that our Savior would say to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 8, 16 through 21. Let's hear God's word together. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. In this passage, Jesus wants us to give attention to how we hear his word. Take care how you hear, he says. So I really only have one question for you today. Uh, and it's this. How, how are you hearing the word of God? How, how's it going? In your reading of the Bible, when you're sitting under the teaching of the Bible, the reading of the Bible, the preaching of the Bible, how are you hearing the word of God? Are you hearing it in terms of verse 15, the parable of the sower, receiving it, holding fast to it with, with a good heart and bearing fruit with patience? When, when you hear the word of God, do you, do you understand that, 
that there is something God wants you to, to hear and to understand and, and to do. And so this is the question we want to focus our attention on today. How are you hearing the word of God? That's the issue Jesus is getting at in these verses. And he's calling us to take care how we hear. And I want to try to summarize this passage today by giving you three Three sentences, three statements that I think get at the heart of what Jesus is saying. In the first place, in verse 16, Jesus wants the light of his word to shine in and from us. He uses a mini parable about a lamp to teach us that the light of his word is is given to shine in us and, and from us. He says in Verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now, Jesus is talking to people who lived without electricity. And you try to understand that because it helps us appreciate the illustration that Jesus is using here. When the sun goes down, the only light you have is the light of fire, whether it be a candle or some kind of oil lamp and when that's off it's it's dark there's nothing but darkness so you would never take a lamp and hide it with a jar or stick it under the bed because then it would cease to be of any use instead you put it on a stand so that people can can see now as we try to apply the parable i think we need to understand that that in order for the light of God's word to shine from us, it must first shine into our lives. And God has, has given us his word to produce light, the light of life in our lives. The word of God has not been given simply so we can study it. The word of God has not simply been given so that we can we can stand around debating the finer points of theology. It's not been given simply to provide us with spiritual pick-me-ups. It has been given so that we would see the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told it has been given as a light for the nations to reveal God's salvation and then to change our lives. Think about it in terms of Paul's language in 1 Timothy 3 when he's talking to, to, uh, to his protege, Timothy. What are, what are the scriptures given for? Timothy, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then they are able to equip you to be a wise and faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is given to save us and to change us as we trust in Jesus And follow his word. But then that brings us to I think the emphasis of this verse. Verse 16. To show us how Jesus wants light to shine from our lives. Because when you trust in Christ and follow him. Your life will bear witness to his word and his his grace. The light of his word brings salvation. And we bear witness then to the gospel as lights in this dark world. And so we want to be, brothers and sisters, lights in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, 
And Trinity Presbyterian Church is called to be a light, a city on a hill. So that's why Jesus can, can say in one passage, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And then he can turn to his disciples who are following him and say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so we're to, we're to give light through our lives in order that others might see the light of Jesus Christ. As individuals and as a church, Jesus is calling us here to shine as a light in the world. Do you think that way about our church, dear friends? That Trinity Presbyterian Church is to be like a, like a city shining on a hill. And the, the light that they see is the light of God's word and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and that means then we must never cover or hide the light that has been entrusted to us or the light that should shine from our lives. And so I think it's worth thinking just for a moment, what are some ways then that you and I could potentially hide the light of the gospel in our lives? Let me just mention four ways I think we can diminish the light of our gospel witness. We can, at the most basic level, we can hide the light of the gospel with silence. We, we, we can hide the gospel if we, we never speak about it to anyone anywhere. Remember the words of Paul in Romans 10 verse 14. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So yes, yes, we need men who are going to preach Christ and him crucified. And that is the emphasis of this verse on preachers going out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But there is a principle that applies to each and every one of us because there are people in your life and there are people in my life who, who will not come at least right now, into this setting to hear me or Pastor Dave preach Christ. But you and I, we can go to them. And we can shine as lights and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Another way, though, we can quench the light of the gospel is when the children of light walk in darkness. In other words, the, the light of our gospel witness is diminished when we live contrary to the gospel we profess. And this is always a struggle for God's people to, to leave behind former ways and to walk in the light of God's truth. But when Christians profess one thing with their mouths and then their lives speak a different message altogether, you can be sure that the witness of the gospel is being diminished there. In a parallel passage, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus actually draws attention to the works of his disciples as a part of their light in the world. He says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father. 
Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 8, speaking to believers, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so we witness not only in what we say, my friends, we witness in what we do. Another way we can hide the light of the gospel is with self-righteousness. If the church's witness to the world, boiled down in essence, is a self-congratulating, we're better than you, clean yourself up before you're welcome here, we're actually covering and hiding the gospel. Jesus wants us to shine so that others may come and see but, but self-righteousness hides the true gospel, which is not about us, not about our righteousness, or about do-it-yourself religion, but it is about the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ that is received by faith alone, as we were reminded last Sunday. Our message is, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one deserves God's grace. No one deserves to be here this morning hearing the word of God. But God has given in his love his one and only son. So that whoever trusts in him, they are justified. Their, their sins are forgiven and they are fully and finally accepted by God. Finally, we can, we can hide the light of the gospel with Nominal Christianity. Nominal Christianity treats the gospel as mostly irrelevant to life. It's a Christianity that exists on Sunday but is non-existent the other six days of the week. Or perhaps it exists for a couple of hours on Sunday and doesn't exist the rest of the week. But when Christians live as though the gospel is irrelevant to their daily lives, you can be sure our gospel witness is diminished. My friends, what the world needs is not nominal Christians. What the world needs, Christians who shine in this world because their lives have been gripped and shaped and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that they, in the words of Paul in Philippians 2, I, I love this verse. He's speaking of the believers in Philippi who shine like lights in the world in the midst of a wicked and crooked generation. So that's the first statement. Jesus wants his word to shine in and from our lives. Here's the second statement as we think about verses 17 and 18. Jesus wants us, very simply, Jesus wants us to take care how we hear his word. Now, these verses can be kind of difficult to understand, and there are actually differences of opinion of how they should be understood. But let's try to, let's try to work it out together. First, look at verse 17. Jesus goes on to say, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to life. Now, of course, it's true that you and I can hide nothing from God. You know, we cannot hide our spiritual condition from others, let alone God, forever. And of course, it's true that in the day of judgment, our hearts are going to be exposed before the throne 
of God in the day of judgment. And that's how a lot of commentators read this verse. That's the direction they go in here. And so Jesus gives the parable of the sower and then a short parable about shining as a light and then slips in a statement about being aware of the fact that our hearts are going to be exposed on the day of judgment. That's, of course, a true biblical idea, but but I'm not sure that's the direction that Jesus is going in here. I think he's saying something else. I think what is being manifest and coming to light is the gospel of the kingdom. I think that's what Jesus is referring to in that verse. What is being manifest and coming to light is God's word. I think this is better understood as a statement about the progressive, unfolding revelation of the gospel. So the context here is not judgment, but the word of God being revealed. And so back in verse 10, Jesus told his disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, secrets that are now being revealed, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. See, Jesus is telling his disciples that God has given to them the the secrets of the kingdom of God, what Paul calls in Colossians the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but is now being revealed to the saints. And, And for those men, particularly this inner group of 12 who will go to be the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of who Jesus is and what he came to do was being revealed. What was previously hidden was now being manifested in the ministry of Jesus and what was previously secret was coming to light at this time. And so Jesus is saying to them, I want you to shine like a, like a lamp on a lampstand Because you are going to testify to the secret and hidden wisdom of God which is now being manifested and brought to light. And this is why they needed to listen carefully to what Jesus was teaching them. Friends, isn't this exactly what we see later on as we read in the New Testament after the the death and resurrection of Christ? Just think of one example. Think of Acts chapter 2 and what took place at Pentecost. About the apostle Peter at at Pentecost. Jesus has revealed the secrets of his kingdom. The message of the gospel has been manifested. And Christ has died accomplishing salvation. And he has risen again and he has ascended up into heaven. And now the Holy Spirit has Come upon Peter. And he stands with the other eleven before a crowd of Jews and people from all over the nations. And what is Peter doing? He's standing like a lampstand. He's shining forth. He's proclaiming the gospel. And he says to them that this Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, who was crucified at the hands of lawless men was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, but death could not hold him. He he is risen again from the dead, loosing the pangs of death. You see what's what's going on there? Peter, as an apostle, is shining 
like a lamp on a stand. He is, he is proclaiming the gospel as an apostle, which has been made manifest in the life of Jesus Christ. And, and in order to receive the gospel and then to bear witness to the gospel, you see, the disciples needed to take care how they listened to their master. That's why Jesus says to his disciples in the next verse, take care then how you hear for to the one who has more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. He wanted his disciples to listen not only for their own souls, but so then they could go on to shine as lights in the world. But then he attaches this warning, because if they do not receive his word in humble faith, then even what they have will be taken away. And my friends, in a similar way, as we think about how this applies to us, we must take care how we hear the word of God. If, if we do not hear the word of God with a believing and humble heart, then one day even what we have now will be taken away from us. You know, we probably don't think this way, but I'm going to encourage you to begin thinking this way about coming to church. You are not, in one sense, okay, in one sense, you are not in a safe place when you come to church. It is not a safe place to listen to the word of God unless you are listening with a believing, humble, and obedient heart. Do, do you realize that every time you hear the gospel and you resist it, that your heart is being hardened? Do you realize that as long as you come Lord's Day after Lord's Day and hear the word of God and do not obey it, you are putting yourself in the position of some of the people in the book of Hebrews who heard the word of God, but it was of no value to them because their hearts were hard. I want to ask you today, is, is this you? You hear the word of God calling you to, to trust in Christ, to repent of your sins, to give your life to him and follow after him. But you are, you're more concerned with what you're going to be doing for lunch after the service. Jesus' word is, my friends, take care how you hear and realize what you have been given. Today you are being given the, the word of life, the word of the gospel, the word of salvation in Christ. But we must hear and believe and receive with a humble heart or it is of no value to us. And one day, Jesus says, it will be taken away. So the other interpretation of this passage actually has a point that listening well is actually a matter of eternal significance. Because how your heart responds to the word of God today reveals your spiritual condition. It reveals ahead of time, if your heart remains in that condition, it reveals ahead of time of what will ultimately happen on the day of judgment. To, to the one who has 
faith in their heart, more will be given to the people of God. But to those who do not believe, even what they think they have, Jesus says, will be taken away. So we must take care how we hear the word of God. We'll come back to that idea in just a moment. But let me give you the third statement first. Members of God's family, hear God's word and do it. Members of God's family, hear God's word and do it. Uh, In verses 19 through 21, while Jesus was teaching his, his mother and his brothers, Jesus had brothers and sisters, contrary to the teaching of the Catholic Church. These are not stepbrothers. Um, while his mother and brothers wanted to speak with him, and I think if this is the same occasion as the one in Mark's gospel, they want to speak with him because they think Jesus is losing his marbles. They think Jesus is out of his mind here. And so in a sense, they kind of like, let's bring it in, Jesus. You're, You're getting a little crazy here. And so they want to get to him, but they can't because of the crowd. And so they have this message passed along to him. And when Jesus gets the message, he uses it as another opportunity to say something about good listening. His his statement, I think, is astonishing. And verse 21, look at what he says. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, Jesus is not disrespecting or disowning or dishonoring his family. He, he loved them. You'll remember he cared for his mother so much that even in the hour of his crucifixion on the cross, he saw to her care and support. He loved them. But in this passage, without demeaning his family in any way, Jesus puts things in perspective, doesn't he? I think there's a major lesson and a minor lesson here in what Jesus says. Let me talk about the minor lesson for a moment first. The minor lesson is that our allegiance to Christ supersedes our allegiance to our earthly family. I think that's a radical statement, frankly, in our culture today that sometimes, sometimes makes an idol of family. Another way we could put it is our calling in the kingdom of God takes precedence over everything else. Now, that does not mean we ever neglect or mistreat or fail to love our families. As Christians, we are not anti-family. We should be the most pro-family people in the world because we understand it is God who created the family and God who has given us family to surround us with so many blessings in this life. But it is also true, dear friends, that the family can become an idol that keeps us from doing what matters most. We need to remember that our adversary is a clever foe. And you see, what he tries to do is make an idol of something that is so good and so important. But our ultimate allegiance is not to our earthly family. Our ultimate allegiance is to Christ and his word. And some of you experience this tension in your lives. I think Jesus understood that this would be a challenge for his disciples. And so at times he made 
startling and striking statements about this very issue. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Or whoever loves son or daughters more than me is not worthy of me. And to the, to the man who said, Lord, let me go and bury my father first. What did Jesus say? Let the dead bury their dead. Striking statements, but Jesus wants to be loud and clear about this, that our allegiance to him supersedes everything else in this life. And my friends, that truth will impact the entirety of our lives because allegiance to Jesus touches every area of our lives. So the minor lesson I think we can extract from this passage is that our allegiance to Christ supersedes all else. But here's what I want to focus on. The major lesson is that a characteristic mark of members of God's family is that they hear God's word and do it. They are those who listen to the word of God and they put the word of God into practice in their lives. Now, let's be clear here. Jesus is not teaching some kind of works-based salvation. He is not saying that belonging to the family of God is based upon your doing the word of God. Your belonging to the family of God is based upon God's grace. But as forgiven and accepted and adopted and transformed children of of God, a characteristic mark will be that you hear what Jesus says and you'll do it. God's true children are not simply those who profess to be members of the family of God. They are those who hear the word of God and live it out. And so you see what that means when we're approaching God's word, when we're hearing and listening to God's word, we cannot be passive hearers when it comes to hearing God's word because true hearing, according to Jesus, involves doing. God God does not simply want you, dear friend, to listen today so that you can gain more factual knowledge about the Bible. Knowledge is important. He wants you to gain that knowledge so that your life is changed, so that your life is transformed and shaped by, by the gospel. So practically speaking, Let's think about this for a minute. Practically speaking, what does Jesus mean by doing God's word? It means when you hear a a passage calling us to faith, you you don't sit there in disinterested unbelief or indifference. That the gospel is good news that must be received and believed. And I I hope we never say in our hearts, "Well, well, I'll believe one day. Because... That one day may be too late. God's word calls us to action today. It calls us to stake our lives on Christ alone as our salvation. When a passage calls us to repent, doing God's word means we're not thinking about someone else's sins, our spouse's sin, our child's sin, our friend's sin. It means we're thinking on our own sin. It means that I, Pastor Jared, when I hear a passage calling me to repentance, I remember 
I am a hell-deserving sinner. That I could not stand before the throne of God based upon my own works. That I need forgiveness. I need, I need cleansing. I see the mercy of God held out to Jesus in Jesus Christ and I, and I take hold of him and I, I commit myself again and again and again, day after day after day as he sustains me in his grace to living for him. Or what does it mean when we hear the word of God about justification? It, it means do, doing his word means you stop trusting in yourself and you rest in Christ alone for forgiveness and acceptance with God. It means you stop trying to pretend that your imperfect obedience could ever meet the standards of God's holy perfection. You, you abandon your deeds and you trust in the work of Christ alone. What does it mean to do God's word when his word calls us to holiness? Does it mean we sit back and say, well, I'm a, I'm a forgiven sinner and that holiness stuff doesn't really matter? No. No, we, we lean into God's grace, understanding that in, in the gospel, Jesus has provided the cure, not just for the guilt of our sin, but also its power. And so in Jesus Christ, every day we strive in the strength of the Lord to put sin to death and to put on Jesus Christ as we are being renewed after the image of our creator. So friends, let's come back to the question I started with this morning. How are you hearing the word of God? I think one way to answer that question is, am I doing what it says? Am I listening to Jesus and actually doing what he Says, Am I hearing the word and responding to it? Am I listening to it? Now, not perfectly, but sincerely. Yes, yes, we will fail. And I'll be, the, I'll be the first one to say that at times I hear loud and clear what God is telling me to do and I fail. What do we need to do at that point? Well, we need to listen to God's word and we need to return again in repentance and lean upon the grace of God. I'm going to tell you a story here in a moment about Thomas Goodwin. Uh, a little bit of background first. Thomas Goodwin was a 17th century uh, theologian. And uh, I want to tell you a story about him going to hear a man named John Rogers to preach on one Lord's Day morning. John Rogers was a well-known preacher at the time, but he ministered out in the countryside, and so one Sunday morning, Thomas Goodwin got on his horse and rode out to hear John Rogers preach. And that particular Sunday morning, as Thomas Goodwin listened to the sermon, John Rogers was pleading with his people to take care how they listened to God's word. But the people weren't actually listening. You know, they were, they were taking it lightly. And so... John Rogers, in the sermon, began impersonating God to the people. He said, I have, I have given you my word. I have revealed to you the, the way of salvation through my son. I have given you the gospel, the greatest news of all, but you have, 
You've ignored it. You've taken it lightly. You've, you've spurned my word, and therefore I will take my word away. And at that point, John Rogers actually picked up the, uh, the pulpit Bible and started to walk out of the church. As he's walking out, he gets down on his knees and he begins impersonating the congregation, speaking back to, to God on his knees. Lord, Lord, give us your word. Keep your word. Don't take it away from us. We need you, the light of your word. Don't leave us in darkness. Forgive us for the neglect of your word. And John Rogers stood up and speaking again on behalf of the Lord, said, so be it, I will leave my word with you, but if you will not hear it and obey it, it will be taken from you. Thomas Goodwin says at that point, the entire congregation was in tears. And as he left the church building that Sunday, he got on the back of his horse and he lay down on the neck of his horse and he wept and he wept and he wept and he wept because he realized he had not been listening to God's word friends what about us how how are we doing here when you come to hear the word of God is it as though God is performing spiritual heart surgery Is he exposing your life? Or is this a trivial matter? I mean, has this just become a voice droning on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday as you sit in the pew and and listen in passivity? Jesus is calling us to hear his word, dear friends, because he wants us to hear the word of life. While, While you still have it, he's saying, do what it says. Believe in the gospel. Trust in Christ. Repent of your sins and give your life to following after him. This is Christ's message to us today, dear friends. Take care how you hear. And let him who has ears to hear, hear the word of God today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you to give us ears to hear your word this morning. Help us to receive it, to believe it, and to do it, Lord. I ask that according to your grace, there would not be a single heart here today who would walk away resisting the good news about Jesus Christ but instead with bended knee, with gladness and love and trust, would take hold of the Lord Jesus Christ who speaks to us today from his word. Work in our lives, we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.